You're listening to A New Beginning with Greg Laurie, a podcast supported by Harvest Partners. For more ways to deepen and challenge your spiritual walk, enroll in Pastor Greg's free online courses. Sign up at Harvest.org. Some people dismiss the idea of faith. They live by facts and logic. Well, Pastor Greg Laurie says, consider this. We apply faith each and every day. You board a 747 weighing 900,000 pounds and trust that that giant heap of metal is going to get up off the ground, take you to your destination. That's faith. But we are to have faith. And here's the key. It's faith in God. That's where the power is. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again, you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. When we go to a restaurant we've never been to before, do we test the chair before we sit down? Do we send the main course for chemical analysis before we take a bite? When we give our credit card to pay, do we follow the server to the register to make sure it's not charged inappropriately? We exercise a certain amount of faith every day. And coming up on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie helps us exercise our faith in the God of the universe, the one who loves us and only has plans for good and not to harm us. We're going through the book of Joshua, subtitled A Book of Promises, and we're in Joshua chapter 3. So I want you to turn there with me today. Joshua chapter 3, and the title of my message is Get Your Feet Wet. (laughs) That'll make more sense in a few moments. Get your feet wet. Let's pray now. Lord, bless this time as we open your word. Help us after we hear this message to have a desire in our hearts to take bold steps of faith and to trust you even when we're facing great obstacles and difficulties. Help us to see how this applies to us and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's read now Joshua chapter three as the Israelites come to the point of entry of the promised land and they face the Jordan River. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. When you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them, for you've never passed this way before. You might underline that phrase. I'm going to come back to it. You have never passed this way before. They will guide you. Uh, Stay about a half mile behind them. Keep a clear distance between you and the Ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Then Joshua says to the people, purify yourselves or tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. In the morning, Joshua said to the priests, lift up the ark of the covenant and lead the people across the river. And they started out and went ahead of the people. The Lord told Joshua, today I'll begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of the Israelites. They'll know that I'm with you just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. And here's point number one. If you want to enter the land of promises, you must be bold and strong. Let me say it again. If you want to enter this land of promises, you must be bold and strong. Look at verse four. They had never passed this way before. 
They were making history. The problem with the people in the book of Joshua is they had never read the book of Joshua. They didn't know what happened next. They just saw this incredible obstacle before them. But they were experiencing this all real time. And by the way, this is a whole new generation because you might say, well wait, didn't they see the parting of the Red Sea? Actually they didn't. And that was, those were their parents that saw it. And that generation was gone. They died in the wilderness. The only survivors of that first generation were Joshua and Caleb. They heard about it, but they didn't see it for themselves. Now they need to see their own miracle, reminding us that every generation needs to have their own encounter with God. Habakkuk 3.2 says, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day, in our time, make them known and in judgment, remember mercy. That should be the prayer of you who are younger. Lord, we, we've heard about what you've done in the past and it's awesome, but we want to have our own spiritual awakening. We've heard about the Jesus movement, but we want our own Jesus revolution. That's a prayer that you should all be praying. Point number two, if you want to live in the land of promises, keep your eyes on God. Keep your eyes on God. The key for the Israelites was the Ark of the Covenant. Look at verse four. They had to keep their eyes on the priests and the Ark leading the way. Verse four, it says, when you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. And that visible symbol of God's presence was to be at the forefront of what they are doing. So the people of Israel are told, keep your eyes on the Ark and keep your eyes on the priests who are leading the way. And the same is true for us. When you're going through life following Jesus, keep your eyes on the Lord. Don't put your eyes on people because people are gonna let you down. People are gonna disappoint you. Guess what? You're gonna disappoint someone, right? And so keep your eyes on the Lord. As the author of Hebrews 12 says, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily beset you. He says before that, and keep your eyes on the Lord. I don't want to go anywhere if God isn't going there first. So we need to keep our eyes focused on the Lord and be looking to Him as we're going through our challenges. Point number three. If you want to live in the land of promises, you need to take risks. Here was their challenge. You have to cross the Jordan River. This is flood season. This river moves at about 10 miles per hour. There's no way you want to cross this river with your little kids and your livestock and, and your belongings. It's, it's not possible. So they're standing in front of this rushing river. There were no bridges. It reminds me of a story of three men who came to a powerful rushing river and they needed to get across. So their first one prayed, God, give me the strength to cross this river. Suddenly, poof, he had bulging biceps. And he got into the river and started to swim it. Oh, he almost drowned two times, but after about three hours, he made it to the other side. So the other man, one of the other men saw him do that, and he prayed, Lord, give me the strength and the tools to cross the river. Boom, he too had bulging biceps and a massive chest, but he had a boat. 
and he got in his boat and he began to make his way across. He capsized two times, but he did get to the other side. The third guy watching this said, Lord, give me the strength and the tools and the intelligence to cross the river. Poof, he became a woman. <laughs> she walked about 30 feet up and walked over the bridge to the other side. So. But there were no bridges here for the Israelites to cross. There was just an impassable river, as I said, in flood season. But they yet began to walk, bringing me to point number four. If you're called to lead, you must go first and set the pace. If you're called to lead, you need to go first and set the pace. God made a promise to Joshua in Joshua 3.7. He said, today I'll begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of the Israelites and they'll know I am with you just as I was with Moses. Wow. I'm gonna make you a great leader in their eyes. King James says, I'm gonna magnify you. But it's interesting that Joshua doesn't go and say that to the people. He didn't say, hey, by the way, God just spoke to me and said he's going to magnify me and make me a great leader. He says something different. He says to them instead, uh, in verse 10, you'll know now that the living God is among you. No pride or arrogance about it. You know, sometimes it's best to keep your dreams to yourself. Let me explain. God revealed to Joseph that he was gonna be the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. He had this dream, this vision of his future. And he went and told his brothers and it did not play well in Peoria. They were angry, they were jealous, they were resentful. And you know that story, how they betrayed him and sold him into slavery and all the rest. And then ultimately, Joseph's dream came true and he was exalted to be this man of influence and power. But sometimes the Lord might reveal something to you, but that doesn't mean you need to tell everybody else. Just wait on the Lord and trust in the Lord and be humble before the Lord. And if it is meant to be, it will be. And it will happen. And so Joshua is humble about this. And I think if you want to be used by God, you need to be humble. Now you can act like you're humble, you know, when you're not humble at all. You know, you can talk so much about how humble you are. You know, I'm just, I'm just so humble. You're so humble you drop the H. I'm just so humble. Now you're British too. You're Cockney actually. But you know, you're not really humble. You can talk so much about being humble, it becomes prideful. It just, do your job. And do what God has called you to do. And the Lord will guide and the Lord will direct. Pastor Greg Laurie will have the second half of his message in just a moment. Hey everybody, I want to encourage you to check out the new Harvest Plus app. It's on Roku, Apple TV, and Google Play, among others. And you can stream incredible content on all major platforms for free. You're going to find live events, our evangelistic films like A Rush of Hope, Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon, Steve McQueen, The Salvation of an American Icon, and our newest film, Fame. Plus, our TV programs, our podcast, Harvest at Home, and a lot more. Stream it all on any device for free using the new Harvest Plus app. Well, Pastor Greg is bringing a powerful message today called Get Your Feet Wet. Let's continue this study now in Joshua chapter 3. 
Point number five, Joshua and the people of Israel moved in faith. It took faith to put their feet into the water. Oswald Chambers said, and I quote, faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as present and the invisible as seen. That's a great statement. Faith enables the believing soul to see the future as present and the invisible as seen. Reminds me of a story of a woman who came to a pastor and said, Pastor, my husband is not a believer and he does not like me coming to your church. And he said to me, if I come here again, he's going to kill me. The pastor said, now trust in God. Have faith, you'll be fine. The Lord will protect you. She came back a couple days later. Pastor, my husband said, if I keep coming to this church, he's gonna kill me. Now, now just trust the Lord. He'll protect you. He'll take care of you. Have faith in God. She came back a couple days later and said, Pastor, my husband just said, if I keep coming to this church, he's gonna kill you. The pastor said, you know, I heard about a great little church on the other side of town. You might wanna start going there. See, it's easy for us to tell someone else to have faith. Have faith. Trust God. Then it comes to our doorstep. And now we have the physical problem. We have the financial crisis. We have problems with the kids. We have whatever it is we're facing and all of a sudden our our faith collapses. But we are to have faith. And here's the key. It's not just have faith. I don't have faith in faith. Faith is a power. Speak things into existence with the power of faith. That's not what faith is. It's faith in God. That's where the power is. My faith is in God. What is faith? Hebrews 11 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Whereas the New Living Translation puts it, faith is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It's the evidence of things we cannot yet see. So I put my faith in God. Now, you say, well, I don't know. I, I Believing is seen. I have to see something before I believe it. Oh, shut up. You apply faith in the most random things each and every day, right? You board a 747, weighing 900,000 pounds. You know nothing about the rules of aerodynamics, but you trust that that giant heap of metal is gonna get up off the ground, take you to your destination, and land. And if if it's even a bumpy landing, you're upset about it. But what did you put faith in? Well, put faith in the aerodynamics and in the pilots. I hope they're not on drugs or something, you know. And I, I have, well, see, that's an application of faith. You get into an elevator, you push that button, that's faith. You go to the drugstore and the pharmacist uh, fills your um, prescription and you take those pills. You don't know, you have faith that they did their job. We apply faith each and every day. And then we say it's hard to have faith. You live by faith effectively. And now what does the Bible say? Have faith in God. What better place to place your faith than God himself? So they needed to have faith in God and we need to have the same. Here's the thing with faith. Faith gets stronger through use. Faith is like a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it becomes. The less you use it, the weaker it becomes. If you don't use your faith, it will atrophy. You need to apply it. We treat faith like it's a museum piece or something to talk about and admire where it's like an egg. Don't drop the egg. 
Why is it whenever I go to the market and I have three or four bags filled with groceries, if I drop one, it's not the bag with the cans in it. It's the bag with the eggs in it. And they crack and that's faith. Oh, we have to be careful. No, faith needs to be used. And the more you use it, the stronger it becomes. Point number six. If you're called to be a leader, then lead. If you're called to be a leader, then lead. Notice the priest had to take point and do this first. Now maybe God is calling some of you to be a leader. You think, well, it's very prideful to say I want to be a leader. Well, I think it's, it's prideful to not obey God. If he's called you to lead, then lead. I can guarantee this. He's called everyone to do something. We all have certain spiritual gifts that God has placed in our life. Romans 12, 7 to 8 says, If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encouraging others, then be encouraging. If your gift is giving, then give generously. If God has given you a leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. If you think that maybe God has called you to be a leader, here's a good way to find out. Just lead and see if anyone follows. Hey everybody, come on, let's go. If you're by yourself, maybe you're not a leader. (laughs) You know leaders when you see them. They just have that ability. They have that gifting. They have that something that makes you want to listen to what they say. Follow them where they tell you you ought to go. One definition I heard of leadership is a leader is someone who takes people where they don't necessarily want to go, but when they get there, they're glad they went. I think that's a good definition. So you got to get your feet wet. And I would encourage you to get your feet wet. You go, what do you mean get my feet wet? Well, the Israelites had to put their feet in the water, in the Jordan before it parted. Okay, so we need to do the same. There are so many opportunities to serve the Lord. You need to find a place where you can use the gifts that God has given you. Now you say, well, how do I know what God has gifted me to do? Here's the answer. Volunteer for everything. Literally, volunteer for everything. One person agrees, thank you. I'm gonna call on you later, and I know who you are. Black hat, black shirt, got you. Um, But thank you. He took his hat off. (laughs) Bald guy with beard. Bald guy who put his hat back on. Okay, only bald people can call out bald people, okay? I'm just saying. Anyway, so here's what I mean by volunteer for everything. It's like process of elimination. Sometimes though, find out what I'm good at. I have to find out first what I'm not good at. Pastor Greg Laurie, making a great point about what we can do to serve the Lord. To find out what we're good at, volunteer for everything. Now there's more to come from the message called Get Your Feet Wet, And Pastor Greg has a final comment before we go today here on A New Beginning. But before we go any further, Pastor Greg, let's speak to the person who wonders where they fit in to God's plan. Okay. They're intrigued by the prospect of receiving God's promises, but wonder what they can do to begin a life of faith. Well, they just need to hear more. They need to hear what the essential gospel message is. And I've got a great resource for you. We've set up a webpage that's called 
knowgod.org, K-N-O-W-G-O-D dot O-R-G. You go there, I have a video presentation of how you accept Christ, lead you in a prayer, and then it links to other spiritual resources that will help you grow spiritually. So just go to knowgod.org. Do it right now. Well, Pastor Greg, this month, we're releasing a brand new animated cartoon series called The Adventures of Ben Born Again and Yellow Dog. Yes. It's based on a gospel tract you designed years ago. Yeah. Now, you've mentioned before that you corresponded with Charles Schultz when you were young. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe some don't remember who he was, although the name may sound familiar. Who was he? Well, Charles Schultz was the creator and the writer— and the artist for the extremely popular cartoon strip, Peanuts. It's still out there today. I think it's the greatest cartoon strip ever written because Schultz wrote with intelligence, with wit, with some profound insights as well. In fact, Schultz even wove biblical narratives into his cartoon strips. A lot of folks listening right now may be familiar with A Charlie Brown Christmas, which is a perennial favorite. And you remember in the story uh, that is in that animated cartoon, uh, Linus reads from the Gospel of Luke. So I love reading the Peanuts comic strip. And I also thought that Schultz was such a great artist. It was a very simple style he developed, but he developed it to perfection. The way he drew the little characters, so much personality, uh, so beautifully done. So he was my hero. And so... When I was a kid, I don't know where this came from, but if I wanted to meet someone, I would just try to meet them. And Mm -hmm. so I just one day decided I'm going to write him a letter. And so I wrote him a letter, and I sent him my cartoon strips, and I was bold enough to ask for his critique. Like, what do you think of my cartoon strips? And I'm I'm writing like the greatest cartoonist of all time and asking him to review my cartoon (laughs) strips. Like, he doesn't have other things to do. And uh, But he was so gracious, he wrote me back. And then I wrote him again, and I kept writing him. And soon I'm asking him for free things. I said, hey, could you send me one of your cartoon strips? I mean, what a ridiculous thing to ask for. And he sends me one. And by the way, you know, in the paper, they're very small, but in real life, they were quite large. I had an original Charles Schultz cartoon strip, and I lost it. And I I was uh, in some hotel a number of years ago, and they had a gallery of original art by Schultz, and they were selling those strips. It was worth thousands and thousands of dollars, and I lost it. But he he was so kind and, and would write me these little letters. And when I would get one of those letters on my mailbox, it had a little picture of uh, Charlie Brown and Snoopy on the outside of the envelope. It, to me, it was like getting a letter from heaven. Hmm. And uh, and it helped me and encouraged me on my little path as I was finding my way to hopefully one day becoming a professional cartoonist. So I was able to realize my dream in many ways and publish a lot of my work in the early days of my ministry. In fact, it was sort of my version of sewing tents. You know how Paul would sew tents when he was out doing his apostolic work? Uh, I would sort of make ends meet a little bit by doing artwork here and there. I did some album covers. Uh, I did little posters, and I also did my cartoon adventures. That's what I was really passionate about. But as my ministry began to grow and I was speaking more, I didn't have as much time to do my art as I used to, so I just kept doing it for fun. I mean, if there's a piece of paper and I have a pen, 
I will start drawing. I can't help myself. I, it, <laughs> and it's really something I really enjoy doing. My brain sort of goes into a different place when I'm drawing or when I'm doing anything artistically. But uh, so fast forward now 50 years, and we had this idea of bringing these characters to life via animation. So it was very exciting for us to find a way to do this and find a team that could help us do this. And now it's become a reality that there's an animated version of my character I've been drawing for years named Ben Born Again. That's a play in words in case you didn't notice. Ben Born Again as in I've been born again. And Mm. Yellow Dog, not as profound of a name. And uh, so now we have a series of these cartoon adventures available for our listeners to watch. They can watch them on the Harvest Plus streaming platform. And by the way, if you haven't downloaded our Harvest Plus app, do it right now. Just go to your app store on your Android phone, on your iPhone, or on your uh, streaming platforms. You can download the Harvest Plus app for your television, for your tablet, for your phone, and you can start watching the adventures of Ben Born Again and Yellow Dog, as well as our other films we've done, like Steve McQueen, The Salvation of an American Icon, or Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon, or our film A Rush of Hope, or our newest documentary film that we call Fame, and a lot more. Of course, my messages and podcasts and all kinds of things. Lots of great material there for you to enjoy for free. So go download that now, and that is where you will find the adventures of Ben Born Again and Yellow Dog. And to give you an idea of what it's like, I wish I could show you, but I can only play some audio for you. Here's a little teaser, if you will, of what you'll find when you watch Ben Born Again and Yellow Dog. Ah, man. Sweet waves today. You said it. I only wiped out nine times. By the way, Are sea urchins poisonous? Whoa, dude! I'm gonna say yes. Well, these two have a lot of fun and get themselves into and out of some pretty challenging situations. Each episode is just the right length to match a child's attention span. And there are so many biblical insights conveyed in between the action and humor. It's scriptural truth in cartoon form. Thanks for recognizing our commitment to bring the gospel into new settings so we can reach more and more people. And that's only possible through your support. Partner with us so we can keep touching lives for eternity. And Pastor Greg wants to thank you tangibly with a newly redesigned Living Water Tract in comic book form. It's the resource that launched it all. So get in touch with your donation today. Call 1-800-821-3300. Call anytime, 1-800-821-3300, or go online to harvest.org. And remember, you can watch this first episode for free there at harvest.org or through our new Harvest Plus app. Well, next time, Pastor Greg comes back to complete this message called Get Your Feet Wet. But he's been talking today about finding out what we're good at by saying yes to the opportunities that come our way. He closes this way. I remember back in the early days of the Jesus movement, the bands were starting every week, this new Christian band every week. And they'd put them up on the stage and they'd play. And I was at some little home Bible study and we were singing some song. One guy wrote a song. He's a good songwriter, singer. And another guy played a beautiful flute. And, 
And I was sort of keeping beat on a, on a coffee table. And they, they said, let's form a band. And all of a sudden we had a name. And we went over to Calvary Chapel. We're a brand new Christian band. We want to play tonight. Okay, you can play tonight. And next thing I know, I'm on a stage with a conga drum. I've never played a conga drum before. But because I kind of kept beat on the tabletop, I was in the band. I did it. It was one of the worst experiences of my life. And I said, I never want to do this again. I don't have any skill here whatsoever. Uh, Sometimes finding out what you're not good at. So here's what I would encourage you to do. Volunteer for everything. The preceding podcast was made possible by Harvest Partners, helping people everywhere know God. Learn how to become a Harvest Partner, sign up for daily devotions, and find resources to help you grow in your faith at harvest.org.